Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Happy Friday. Thanks for joining us for Take Two. In the house today, Mara Carabello and Greg Hughes. Ready to talk another boring week in Utah politics, and I can't believe that January is done already. We're right to February in a couple days. I think it's 50 degrees out there right now, so yeah. it's a nice, degrees. Nice, feb- nice January Winter's day. over. I'm so into global warming. I just love it. I just want more heat. Okay? I'm a I big love fan, the heat. too. So. I actually have my Christmas tree up. I'm still <gasps> admitting this. I know. Oh. I usually leave it up because I put it up late, but I don't like winter, and it's usually miserable, and it makes me feel cozy through nice. January. I haven't really needed it. Now i got to take it down. I keep looking at it. So, But since yeah. it's almost February, I should really get on that. <laughs> yeah, you Pine don't want to start falling Day. off by now. No, so. I know. The rest of the Christmas is put away. So there you know. My dirty, dark secret, although it's not a dirty secret. No. I accidentally posted a picture the other day where you could see my Christmas tree in the background, and people were not happy with no, me. No, there's yeah. a strict rule in the Hughes home. we got to get that tree down. I like to keep it up through New Year's, but... After that, My wife yeah, I, feels I have otherwise. a neighbor who I can see it in the window. I, I'm not going to lie. I've wanted to stop and knock and say, hey, we're done. Take it down. Hey, get, over it. <laughs> get over it. Get over it. Tis not the season. Bad okay? neighbor. It's over. And now we're just talking business. The Utah legislature uh, rocking and rolling with some good bills, some bills where you wonder why they're trying to work on them. So we want to talk about a few of them. Uh, one of them uh, is the stocking bill. This one's gotten a lot of talk out there. Uh the idea here behind this is that maybe people are making complaints for someone who's not truly stalking, it's not really a crime, and so it has to be multiple attempts at stalking before it's considered as such. Mara, you like this? You hate this? This bill has all the markings of a horrible bill. <laughs> so like, I want to talk about the two parts that just don't work for me. First, for, let's just go with process. Any bill in Utah, of which there are many, that start with, I have a neighbor who, or worse, I have a cousin who, this has no validity statistically. This is from an independent, sort of very boutique, single incident. And so that's great if that raises the issue, but we just did a cursory search of other states to see. So just from a process point of view, I don't think there's any case that it's it's systemic or that it needs um, any changes. But let's move to what the bill says. You know, I think the best kind of bills in my mind are preventative bills, not punitive bills. And this strictly moves stocking to uh, punitive measures and, and, and takes away the preventative nature. And it also does something that I really think is the most harmful in which it it tips the scales of justice to the potential perpetrator side and away from the potential victim side. And it really gives more room on the perpetrator side. And that's just not the basic course of justice. So one, I don't think they've made a case that it's needed and systemic and statewide. Two, I think it's a big change. I disagree with my good friend, Sim Gill. He said yesterday that 
it's implied already and this just codifies it. And I'm like, man, the difference between implied law and codified law is a big difference. So I respectfully disagree with Sim Gill there. No case and tips I like the that scale. When you, when you Democrats disagree, it's I awesome. Interesting. Now, huh? But I'll tell you, this really favors a potential perpetrator and um, ignores all the science around this. It ignores the dynamic. It, it really, what it does, it's taking it from behavior, right? I, I, I had to tell you that this person, I've seen him a few times in unusual places, and I felt threatened. It moves it from there to saying I have to be able to identify his intent, which is such a high bar and really um, weighs heavily against the potential, I say, victim. Well, uh, first off, I'd, I'd point out that um, those that are public servants, they when when they have a constituent that comes to them with an issue, they don't ask, "Is this peer reviewed? Where is your data?" No, this that would a, be the legislator's job. The um, no, it, I would I would argue otherwise. I think that you represent a community and a constituency, and when they bring issues to you, and I've done this on other issues, but issues that came up that you can see that the theory being, Mara, that. We're not lucky enough to see the silver bullet fly by that the only time you've ever seen something go wrong or the circumstance you're being described, this is the only time it's ever happened. It, it gets to the point where you think it happens enough that when the feedback starts coming back to the lawmaker, uh, that you ought to stare at this. You ought to look at this and address it. So A I don't mind. A single anecdote, though. I don't, I, but I don't, I don't accept that it is just because it hasn't been peer-reviewed or researched or anything like that. I think you're seeing those relationships with constituents a little more fluid than that. Second, I'd say... We do live in a climate where, in Me Too and other things, where people can make accusations and we are starting to feel like it's a guilty till proven innocent climate that we live in sometimes. I think if Sim Gill's saying that this is implied and we're going to codify it, it what, he, what he's really saying is we don't really do anything until we understand the intent anyway. So if we can codify that and make it clear and have a clear law instead of implied, I think that helps everyone. And, I and think if we were resting better. on the judgment of the one DA for the state that is the Democrats, I'd say good on you. <laughs> I trust him. But we're not. We're making a state law. And I believe Greg Hughes just put on his big government shirt I and didn't. said, yeah, said, if, said, if somebody's got a problem, let's whip it. up a bill about it. That no, sounds great. No. I, I, anyway, I, think, I do think that we can, we can define that a little more clearly. And I do think that uh, we, we have to be careful about the – the day and age we're in right now. I do think that we're seeing society uh, is inclined to, to think of people guilty upon an accusation. This is we a be shallow, careful. patronistic bill. There is no version of the world in which women are more protected than men. And to, let's be honest, we can use female, gender so here. Yeah, we are, can I, use gender just, here because I, I most stalkers are you men. Did, I, knew exactly I'd like to admit, going. I was a stalker once. This bill <laughs> makes me feel really uncomfortable because I'm like... I don't know if they should pass it or not, and if it's retroactive, because when I was in college and my husband broke up with me, he took another girl to a dance, which I thought he did, but no one posted on social media because that didn't exist. So I went and sat on a hill outside the area where the dance was to so watch So you're a self-professed stalker. I did, and I've been thinking about that this week, and I'm like, man, I'm a psycho. No, you're not. No, that's called One more incident, Heidi, and we're <laughs> See, calling is, it in. You are making the case, Heidi, that we just would not want to criminalize your... Your uh, what ultimately became your marriage, but you had a relationship, say it was right? Just once, but I may have stalked him outside of another class another oh, time. Okay, I'm not stop sure, now. Stop it, now. TM, we're turning away TMI, from too much information. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about another bill. Uh, well, actually. I want to talk about the fact that we're in person again, which I think is a good move where yes. people allowed on the Capitol. 
us grounds. I think it's difficult to be doing everything online. I know some people still are, but we were talking before this podcast started that sometimes interactions don't work online. You need to be face to face. You need to see people's faces. You need to understand. We need the community to be able to come and talk. Does this matter? Yeah, I mean, I, this is an impossible situation right now. I and mean, we've talked a lot about how much truly good government during the 45 days happens in the hallways. It's it's actually yeah. not backroom deals. It's all people who care from all walks of life at one place and one time and losing that fluidity and a, a, a member of the house being able to walk out and talk to a disparate group at one time and say, are you okay with this? Are you okay with this? And get consensus. I think what I hope from our lawmakers is they're going to scale back some decision-making because of the awkwardness. Greg's been up there more than I, but it is weird still. I mean, it's by appointment. It, it doesn't Very, have it, the it gathering. Is. So how does this work, Greg? Because you're a former Speaker of the House, yes. now just a gentleman of Citizen leisure. Hughes, yep. <laughs> Citizen Hughes. Citizen uh, Hughes. Why do you go up there? What are you working on? What's yeah. in your heart that you're pushing for? So, so I, you know, I was invited to the dance. I, you know, I, I served as a, as, as you mentioned, as a Speaker of the House. I was a House member for 16 years, and then ran for governor. And enough times passed. It's I not too that. soon now, so I can mention it without, you know. Uh, being upset, no. It's um, but some of those that I worked with, some of the issues that I cared about, uh, the sheriffs' association. I'm working with them, helping on some issues that they're staring at, and the inland port. Inland port's an issue that I care deeply about. That I am fortunate to be able to sh- uh, meet with my colleagues and talk about that. Uh, and I, and anyway, so that has led me to some discussions. I don't see myself as a traditional lobbyist, but I, I have been up to the Capitol, and I will tell you that. It is a very, very different and argu- more arduous uh, process getting up there now. Uh, I used to have, like, a way to park in the Capitol and get in. But worse than that, when you come in, they have to check your bag. Um, you got to have your mask on all the time. You have to leave time. your gun in the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know about that part. They probably, they probably celebrate if you had your gun. No, I don't know. Um, but, no, they have the troopers at the doors, and they're, it's, it's, you know, you get the, you get, there's a scrutiny going in, and then – they're very, they're very strict about the masks, and so if you're not used to wearing a mask all the time, and including meetings, it can get a little claustrophobic. But that said, so I'm actually, if I were Speaker of the House, I imagine right now, I thought, how would I even operate in this situation? Because as Mara pointed out, I'm telling you, good information drives good decisions, and there are times that a bill sponsors walk into a committee hearing, stakeholders on the issue that, are, that is about to be discussed in the bill, they are there meeting with the with this bill sponsor saying, you know, last second, are there some amendments you would you would be you'd consider? And if you have the other stakeholders there, can you huddle very quickly and get some agreement going before you have that bill presentation? That happens in committees or outside committee hearings. That happens off the floor. That is that is part of this you know this flow of information that you see in such a short you know seven and a half week general session. That isn't going on right now. These are empty hallways. This is you know you only have a few there. Uh, only a few seats that are very far apart from one another in the hearing room. And then most of that conversation or that participation is online. And then you get into the whole, is your button muted or not? And all that uh, yes, fun stories that yeah. can happen. So, you know, so. two interesting things are going on at once, I think, though, that, that'll be interesting to see if it makes a difference in the future. I think one could argue, I've heard a couple of politicos argue that this is the most transparent session because they've, we've upped the ante on any citizen from their room, uh, from their living room, can watch committee hearings, you can see people, you can see transcripts, we've really upped the technology. So a case can for, be made that you can see and experience and more. 
At the same time, I think insiders are having a leg up, not not because it, it's nefarious, but because they already had contact information and they already had relationships and and it's incumbent on them to reach out and talk about what they want. So one thing that I think is fascinating is you could make the argument that this is more open to the public than ever. You could also make the argument that this is a consummate insider session as well. Yeah. Yeah, it'll so be interesting it, to see how it shakes out. So there was always, you could always listen in, uh, live stream the committee hearings. That's always been the case. Yeah. It's been a long time. I mean, Utah really let out as you a state. You couldn't see, you could only you listen. Could only, yeah. You could only listen, but then you could watch or see the floor uh, debates on the House and Senate floor. They've upped that. So now you can watch and see the committee hearings instead of just listen. So that's been increased. But what I think is happening is people are in the mindset more to connect online than they were even when those opportunities were available before. So I think more people are taking advantage of it. That is good, but you are there. The diversity of thought, the, the conversations, the ability to back and forth in real time and sometimes spontaneously on issues, you got to get that part back that this, this, we better be in a temporary state. You wouldn't want your sessions to operate like this in a normal course. This, I don't think the people are being served with, uh, with the limited, public access to the process in live and in person. I think that's a, you can't overstate how important that part is. I want Greg's take on this. Uh, your friend, Jim DeBacchus, you may recall, asked people to swap parties uh, uh, in the election yeah. and make sure that you did not win. There's actually a bill <laughs> up there to stop people from party swapping, or if you do party swap, that you have to do it a significant amount. Was it? Are they talking elections before? there? That sounds kind of risque, this whole party swapping. No, this isn't is like that? wife okay. swapping, right, this swinging, right. no. It's party swapping. kind of weird. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, is this an idea that's a good idea? Should we let people change parties if they want to be involved in the system? Where should this be? I so, mean, you were so my So I was living this. I lived this in real time. Yeah. There was a, and our the former co-host who, you know, Jim DeBacchus, uh, we remember him. Resigned we last week, <laughs> who abruptly des- resigned last week from the, his duties here at the podcast. But no, he had, he had a, a very strong campaign amongst Democrats. And it was, uh, it was, if you don't switch from being a Democrat to a Republican and vote in this election, we will wake up to a, Greg Hugh- a Governor Greg Hughes like we woke up to a President Trump. Nightmare, right? And I, I told Jim, you know, I can hear you when you say that. That's kind of rude, I'm, you know, but... But you did see, you saw a lot of pe- you saw a lot of people a uh, switch party affiliation. I, I don't know that it's it, there was a conversion of party platform that they all of a sudden woke up and decided, you know what, I do affiliate as a Republican, and I would like to be a Republican. I think there was a a, a different motive going on there. But even, but here's the other interesting statistic: you do not have to register as a Democrat to participate in the Democrat primary. It's called an open. Yes. Yeah. So, but yeah. the reason I point that out is that unaffiliated voters because it's not required to affiliate specifically as a as a democrat could easily be unaffiliated but still be a democrat so when you see people uh, but in the republican primary you have to be a registered republican so when you saw a Which large is annoying. well mm-hmm. i like it actually but <laughs> you see if you see this large migration of unaffiliated voters don't it's not you would assume wrong if you would think there aren't rock rib democrats within the unaffiliated uh, group so it's not just those that were registered democrats who, f- who sw- switched over, but there were many, many left of center, those that wouldn't otherwise uh, imagine themselves or affiliate as a Republican, who switched just for that election. So I wouldn't say you're not allowed to change. I mean, you got to have a, the ability to affiliate with a party. I just think 
it, it becomes more opportunistic the closer you're coming to an election and you know who candidates are and you think your Democrat might be too weak, so let's all get into this party and try to influence the outcome so of Greg, a party nomination. I feel like you and your people like citing chapter and verse, so I'm going to start oh, there. Oh, gee, here we go. The great, con- the, the great <laughs> constitution of the great state of Utah, Article okay. 1, Section 2, <laughs> says what? All political you know, this power is not a game show. You all political quiz me. power is inherent to the people. This yeah. bill would like to substitute the people as the most important part of the election process and insert parties, which, by the way, aren't subsidiary constructs of the government. They're, in fact, private entities. So who has the inherent political power in the electoral system by constitution? And you know we love a constitutional right here. Oh, you, and I'm telling so you that... so much sarcasm that in that time. I know. And so I, I'm, I'm just telling you that right political power is inherent to the people. And this bill wants to make parties more important than the people's right to vote. And I will tell you something else I believe strongly about the party system. There's no litmus test to get in. So you don't even know who your Democrats or Republicans are really. There's no, no ideological test. They are crazy. No, I've seen them. I know there's the a litmus other, test. You have a litmus test. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but there's don't some Don't make club. me show you video footage you from January 6th about crazy. So, <laughs> so you know, there, there is no threshold for joining parties. And so to say that they supersede the right of an individual voter to make an, any individual choice that they want to. Now, the parties, as you pointed out well, can control who they let in or not. And I love that the Republican Party has chosen to take hostages to their party oh, as opposed please, to being persuasive. Please. So it, no. they're like, once you no. get in, man, you can't get out. And that's because you it love our brand. It is not a hotel brand. California. So it is not. No. I say a successful party is a persuasive party. I want to join you. You laid out an agenda that, God bless America, I want to join it. But the Republican Party here wants to force you in no. and never let you out. So, so this takes away the power and the authority of the individual voter to do what they want. Some people call it voter suppression when you take away those powers. But what it wants to do is say, oh, let's defer to the party system instead of the right of the individual voter. Okay, so I don't know how to unwind everything you just said because there's like 80 points (laughs) I want to make. Oh, my gosh. But let me just say this. It is a strange mindset in Utah, and I find it unique to our state that people do equate, as you just did, the right to vote, the people's voice, with a political party's nominating process. They 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 conjoined this. They they think it's the same exact thing. Who conflated this as a fine representative no, 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 no. who wants to codify no, it? Here's the issue. When I was in when I turned 18, I did not live in Utah, I lived in Pennsylvania. And I went to the clerk and I needed to register to vote. And it was a very clear instruction, instructions that were given to me. It was this. If you would like so you can register to vote and this, by registering you can vote in November. If you affiliate with a party a Democrat party or Republican party, and you would like to help choose the nominee that will be on the November ballot, then you can, at the same time that you're registering to vote, you can also affiliate with a political party. But the political party and that affiliation was never confused with the November right to vote. That's right. So what I'm saying is it is not suppressing the people. It is not not forcing people or hindering their ability to vote because that register to vote and to vote is, is different than a party's uh, process to nominate its candidates. But your logic stream goes against it this. But, but you've got to be intellectually honest about this. You can affiliate. It's not like you're forced to affiliate with a party. But when you do, you want that to be have that process to have integrity. I'm going to follow your line of reason because I agree with it. The process to have integrity. The, the, the state and the clerk system controls the voting. The parties control their own process to nomination. And that was proven out in two court cases with Count My Vote. We have recent jurisdictions 
Brutus on this, right? But yes. your logic stream says, okay, so this bill that instructs the voter about their party affiliation makes sense. No, separate the party affiliation. If if you Republicans How only want to let in left-handed men between the ages or whatever I, and whatever, I'm for that. You did but this by state. leave when you, this alone you, on the ballot. You, like, count my vote. You did this very thing when you created state statute that required parties to accept signature gathering. You did this, the very, the very thing you're discussing or you're complaining about is what the state intervened in these election processes proactively. And so what you're seeing now is saying, whoa, since it has become so prescriptive in state law on these, on how you get on the ballot, because of like things like your favorite count my vote, love it, which you required parties to have to accept signatures. What they're saying is, look, we are going to the same state and its statutes are going to say, we're going to create some space and some distance between party affiliation because we don't want it to be manipulated. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, look, if you're a Democrat and you don't think you can win statewide, I absolutely understand why you want to raid the other party. I, 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 I don't even think about the outcome. I'm not thinking but about I'm Republicans saying, or Democrats in this. Just, I'm thinking about process. Let's just make it intellectually honest and and have a have a have an affiliation process. Any legislature that is absent of the the practical realities of an election. Any legislature that proffers a bill that narrows the path for the citizens to vote is a bad bill. It doesn't narrow it. It actually makes sure it has integrity. Oh, because integrity is involved with the brand of a party oh, that has have a, nothing you, to do with their I feel like there's no votes. passion no, on either side I know, here. No, we're and, confused. And about. I'm trying so hard to let Mara see the light. And she just I won't, just want to not she have to affiliate either. Journalists are not supposed to be Republicans or Democrats. And here in the great state of Utah, if you want to be involved, you got to... Yeah, your name on it. That's look, why the Republicans not, closed the system. You know, the Republican system was open for generations. They they sort of led the way on this. And we're looking at about 15 years ago, too many of us wanted to be unaffiliated. We maybe wanted to be conservative. We maybe wanted to be driven by our our individual opinions and not a party's chokehold. And the Republicans didn't like it. So they closed it, their doors so and told us a, we had to a, register as Republicans. Look, Most people in Utah would prefer to be unaffiliated. Well, then they can. No one's forcing. No one's forcing. But I'm telling you, again, this is an amazing thing. The system is their princess. You know that, Greg. Don't don't pretend that the system doesn't force. You've got to have a two-party system. We're healthier as a state if we have a two-party system. When all the Democrats migrate into the Republican Party to vote in their primary because they've given up on their Democrat candidate, come on. How is that giving anybody a choice in November if everybody's trying to crowd into one party's election in in June? I mean, that's not not the process. It, 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 I mean, it did not. again, so instead of it being the Republicans' fault, how about Democrats get a party? How about you have a, a candidate Amen. that can, that Amen. can be, be competitive in November? I believe that they should be persuasive entities well, that were wooing Well, if they're all going to affiliate as Republicans, Mara, you're getting further away from the goal. I'm telling you, you're not getting a stronger Why? party. Why? All Why are you so threatened that I might show up and vote for your people? I'm not. I just want to be in, an intellectually honest endeavor. If it's you've politics. decided you want to be a Republican, intellectual honesty be a Republican. We, does we are not a exist in Canada. We, just oh, welcome we should you talk in. about something Ease more words. relaxing, like yeah. maybe gun rights. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Let's so pivot. Concealed the carry. Frying pan and into the fire. I forget they say. who. Has, uh, First last time. So we've got another bill uh, that we've been talking about this week about concealed carry. (laughs) She did. Are you saying that? I can't even remember. I need a little scorecard here. Mm. I let you go first on that one because it was your election that maybe was affected by that. So we'll let Mara go first on this. Should we be expanding our rights? Go go ahead, please. I love the the retorts better than the... (laughs) They're towards better. So uh, concealed carry, we're looking to open the doors there a little more. 
Yeah, because we just have a chokehold right now on, on gun restrictions. So a couple things. The courts Freedom. routinely, routinely, including the Supreme Court, has routinely suggested that equivalence of time, place, and manners, some decorum and, and some background checks and some training does not sit in contrast to the Second Amendment. So let's first say that you can have laws about guns sure. and still love the Second Amendment. That's not the litmus test. I would agree. Um, bodies of research show you that if you compare states, which we have, that have lax concealed carry, so we're going to narrow it to concealed carry, the more lax the concealed carry law is, the more likely, compared to a state that has stringent concealed carry, 11 to 15% more violent crimes committed, and uh, uh, 11% more homicides likely just related to how lax the concealed carry law is. So again, I'm not talking about your feelings about the Second Amendment. I'm talking about the basics of, did you need to get a background? Did you need to show some proficiency with it? And all the data is telling us that the more lax, um, the more the more likely it is to have violent crime and homicides. The other thing I'm going to point out... Are you concealed carry um, certified in the state of Utah, Mara? You betcha I am. Clark Aposian helped me get that All done right. several years ago. Boom. I asked me if I've ever Mine carried. Expired. No, I, I haven't. Was. It was an academic exercise for me. I'm not going to pretend like I... Because as a woman, I know that my rate of violent crime goes up if I carry a weapon. Because the deterrent to weapons is shooting them, not holding them. But that's another subject. I'll stay focused on concealed carry. The other thing that we know that's really new research that just came out last week is they did a study in the Intermountain West and they found that um, our rate of homicide with police officers is higher than another state per capita. So to be clear, per capita, we have a higher in the Intermountain West, not just Utah, we have a higher rate of um, uh, of violence uh, with police. And so they were so looking we're at killing more police or police are killing more police people? are killing more it, Guns are being used more in police altercations. Okay. So they looked at factors. This is readily, all of us will admit, this is a multi-dimension. So I'm not trying to hang this just on, on guns. But one of the factors that they found that shown through really clearly is the prevalence of guns were one of the two or three determining factors for the increased use of gun, guns in the altercation. It's the same with concealed carry. Concealed carry allows average people to enter into public scenarios and we know that the more guns, the more likely there is a chance of having guns included in an altercation, which is why if we're going to be a state that has concealed carry, and if we're living in Mara land, we're not a state that has concealed carry, but we're not living in that land. We're living in Utah. So if we're a state that has concealed carry, the data is telling us that having basic things like background checks and proficiencies of use and awareness on this really has a statistical impact on violence and the use of guns so so i watched the floor debate on this bill when it came up in the house and this is a challenge when you hear the word data or data in the floor debate there was data cited that there isn't this statistical difference that it isn't uh significant you have what has always been the case on this issue where we've passed it before and it's been vetoed by the governor but you had a lot of apprehension uh, from lawmakers from both parties that were from the Wasatch Front where it's more populated than in the rural areas. The data that was discussed on the floor debate and why that bill passed in overwhelming numbers this time around was because there is data that would point different than what Mara Mar just cited. And so 
the the challenge there is you know we there's there's so lies. every every well, slide could it find goes the it goes lies want. damn lies and statistics and so you know we just got to sort through those things I will say this if we live in a country and a state where open carry is legal where you can brandish have a hand cannon on your on your belt as long as it's open and not concealed you can get on a tracks train you can go anywhere you want with it with and it's legal as the day is long to say to put a jacket on so that people aren't seeing it or not feeling uncomfortable by it is now going to be the end of the earth when you could open carry at will anywhere in this state i don't think it stands to reason i think that that can, being able to care to have a have your jacket on instead of open carrying is not going to make us less safe i don't think that's that makes no sense because i will tell you we all know when we carry our ak-47s on our back it is an <laughs> open act that is of you're aggression. not going to get to cover that anyway no, but this I'm bill won't you even help you cover the reason it's an ak-47 the reason it's a deterrent is because you know the dude's a nutter so <laughs> like i'm just suggesting no, to you when you enter a place that has these are weapons these are these were built to kill people that's the point of them. Most, and most the of the, more people the, most of you the fatalities with guns are, sadly, when people turn them, it's suicide. It's it's not from the violence that you're describing. It's 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 mental health issues. Not concealed not the, carry. When you want to talk about use of weapons and suicide, disproportionately, eighty percent or so is suicide for for sure. But we're talking about open carry and what it takes to decide that you want to carry a deadly weapon on your body at all times. But, and Greg, that is markedly different. But Mara, I mean, you what do you have say about the, about the states and cities that have some of the most strictest gun laws in our country that are, have the highest homicide rates, bar none? And you know what? They can track back with data that is infallible. They get them in less prescriptive states. We know in Utah in we other have words, a problem. you're going to get a gun, right? So you're if there's 300 million the, guns in America today. You're going to come today, to Utah and get a gun, and then you're going to go on so back to California. Let me tell you what you just said. There's 300 Chicago. million plus guns in the United States of America. Yeah, and, peop- and those that want to commit harm are going to go get them. Okay, so you can make all the pretty laws you want. Okay, you let me just let said me take Greg, that Greg's they're gonna go logic get them, Even if you have the strongest laws, people are going to drive drunk the anyway. So why the heck the are we having drunk driving laws in America? Laws. Don't stop the homicides. People keep going over the speed they still limit. Find the guns. Why do we have speed limit laws anymore? I love you the know, political The strictest gun laws in the in cities and, and states still don't prevent. The homicides, because people I will love still find them. That a room full of Republicans. You can't snap your going, fingers and make these guns disappear. Are, are having me living in a nanny state. I got a driver's license. I got a license to cut hair. I got driver's a license, license to do is not everything. a constitutional right. There's nothing and in the Constitution I, that protects your right to drive. I have to fill this out, and you guys are like, "Oh, concealed carry? Why even fill out a form?" I mean, it's a deadly weapon. We do know that more guns. Results in I'm more results you, of guns, I'm Greg. I'm telling you, where you have governments take away their guns, it doesn't get safer out there. It but really doesn't. But you need does. a license to blow dry someone's hair. You do. And I'm going to tell you, it's not. If it, it needs to be <laughs> a constitutional hours. right. It needs to be a constitutional right to braid hair because right now you need a you have a have the beautician license or something. It to, sounds to be so able to dumb to it. me that you need a license to blow dry hair, but I did get my hair cut this week and I cannot <laughs> blow dry it like the fine stylist that I had on Monday. So now I'm thinking maybe you do need a license. And, and the trouble is, she can't take off her jacket because she's carrying right off. So there's there's a dilemma. I know yeah. somebody rules. I, I feel like I need it, you guys to take me shooting or something. I've never you know, concealed carried. I haven't shot a gun. You haven't. No. Uh, no, it's 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 all right. Fun. That'll be our next podcast okay, on the road. We'll do it you on are range. a city boy. I am not letting you pretend. No, I should hey, like I, load I, your I, rifle. I, I have firearms, Mara. I do. I shoot them all the time. No, I but I've bought, done it. Of you course, I've that, done like, it. State Centennial one, and then put it in a closet, didn't you? I did. Remember yeah, that story? I did. Because hey, I, I, when I went to get that gun, I I went through 
ridiculous checks to get that gun from Cabela's. I mean, I ordered it. It was that gun you mentioned, the Centennial, <laughs> yeah. whatever it was. Oh my gosh! Greg, I was I what was I the, had to go through to get that thing. I was they were the executive director my last name of the Utah my, State Centennial Commission in 1996. Well, not so you are welcome. You're welcome. We did customized guns because that's know. the kind of people we are. Nice, well, see, fancy. See, you, you see, are Mara, we, you are a, you are a concealed carry, you know, permit holding. Now, let's be honest. I went through to a rebel. cop kind of I went, yeah. I went through the concealed carry to show you how BSE it was. Oh, that please. was the point of it. Please. The point is they make you take a test, but you don't have oh, to pass so it. Doesn't, so we they should, make you sit and it? watch a video. So it's like the it? worst maturation film in you sixth just, grade I, ever. Your Honor, like, I rest my case. Mara Carabella has just... Yeah, you're right. So we shouldn't have it. No, so we I, repealed it. You know me. Let's so up it. Let's make it equivalent to becoming a hairdresser. Let's have you 1,600 hours. It is not of a professional training. It's not a constitutionally protected liberty. And as we establish, there's nothing wrong Look, with hit, time, or, place, and manner equivalents and still loving the Second Amendment. You but can you just authorize. Got done telling us that all those precautions were worthless. You just I'm told just us. saying our, we're already too lax. Let's not become oh, more please. lax. Let's talk about the First Amendment and Sean Reyes <laughs> because there are people who would like to see him These impeached and an impeachment hearing. Does he have the right as the Attorney General of Utah or even as someone who takes a day off of being an Attorney General of Utah to fly to Arizona and make sure that the voting was done properly, securely, safely, and there was no fraud? Or should we investigate him? Yeah, it's not mm. a house arrest scenario. He has every right in the world to, to do those things, and, and he can travel, and he can, as an elected official, he can do all those things. And it's not it's not contrary to his charge as being the Attorney General of, of the state of Utah. He can do those things. What about when time. he signs his name as like a friend of the court as the AG of Utah? Is that okay? Now, now I, I 100% supported his suit at joining Texas uh, in their lawsuit. I did think that there was a national consequence. And, and to our state, if we thought there were problems in the election processes of other states that would impact the outcome for our state. So I, I supported that from the beginning. I thought that it was absolutely appropriate to be part of that. And so that is that's different than what some are complaining that he went to Nevada or he went some state. That's you know he's he's made it clear he's he did that on his own time when he worked on those issues, which he can do. What I what what he did on behalf of the state of Utah, joining I think what how many I can't remember how many states it was. It was close to twenty. I, I think least. it was about every, every state that had a Republican. Sure, he wasn't alone in this. I mean, you have attorney generals from yeah, across the country. That's how bad that doing this. works is where you so, alone. So I'm telling you that that I actually listen. Uh, if my that. friends jump off a bridge into yeah. a river, I will. Yeah, no way. I'm telling and you're you, not alone. And, it's and okay. I'm telling you that that it. You know, I I'm, you can absolutely make the case that there were irregularities. Are, are that we, we wasting go. our time, See, Mara? I, I'm really sympathetic to those of us who feel like there was a little bait and switch with Sean Reyes from a few years ago, where he seemed to be sort of a reasonable, rational person to perhaps slipping down the nut lane there. But I, I so that's my personal point of view, right? I, I'm sympathetic to that. I don't know if his actions are rising to some legal thresholds, but this is where I want to say to you, Tons. You know, if if Greg doesn't try and take away your right to vote for Republicans, um, I I just think he should be held accountable because I I absolutely think he is being a little too flourish with his rights to um, bind the great state of Utah. And I also think he's not representing and I don't think he's listening. I think this is a personal platform. So I'm a little critical of the attorney general he's turned out to be. 
I'm not sure if it rises to the occasion so to have it processed. I feel like if it were probably flipped, I can see where Republicans and Democrats and the Trump and everything were flipped. I feel like Democrats might do the same thing. We're at a political threshold in our country well, where do do it's they... not A.G. Sean Reyes. It's whoever's on the flip side of what's happening. We, so I don't know if that makes it right it or wrong. Doesn't. Here's a problem. Impeachment is a... It is a provision that's supposed to preserve the checks and balances, and there there are rare, in the United States of America, in only two occasions in American history prior to the election of Donald Trump, had there been an impeachment in the United States House of Representatives, and they were in diff- completely different eras. And then the Democrats and Nancy Pelosi, they literally impeach Trump twice, and I think they have demeaned this what is supposed to be a rare provision. When you see, and this is happening, it's supposed by the way. to be like the F word where you use it on special I, occasions you, so that people yeah. know you're serious. <laughs> well, that's one way to look at it. Um, but I'm telling <laughs> you that when you have now the Democrats here taking cues from the, just throwing out an impeachment at a drop of a hat and taking what is, again, something we have to be very, very kept careful not to politically weaponize. I mean, if we get to that spot, which we've seen nationally, we start doing that here. I just think the cynicism will never go down. So great. Everybody will always just start getting into camps. We'll never see a, a true and honest, you know, administration of, our, of constitutional authority if we're just going to start throwing out impeachments all the time. You, so I, you, I, I just, I regret seeing it happen in this case. It do, absolutely does not rise to a level that, like that. And we got to generally stop throwing this impeachment term or provision, whether it's our U.S. Constitution or our state, we got to settle down and I'm, realize I'm gonna the weight that I'm going to let you take that, that, that pivot has. to the federal level just because I know you're still in mourning, and I'm happy about that. <laughs> Appreciate you, you wearing your so black veil. So space so, But when we move back to the state issues, I, I do think one other element, uh, I, th- I think it's worthy of a representative wanting to stand up and saying, as an independent elected, I don't. Sh- I, so, I mean, I think he ha- should lay voice to it. But the other thing I'm concerned about with this is the – legislature and what's unique you know we have an independently elected person i'm not wanting to see this legislative body feel their oats really about restricting another uh so we agree on that that, that, that's what i would say would be politically weaponizing uh the impeachment powers and we have to be uh, there has to be a reverence to that that we're losing just in politics nationally it is the word everyone wants everyone wanted republicans Mitt romney impeached after they decided that he wasn't as republican as they wanted and whatnot or repeat or recalled Recalled, recalled, yes, yeah. but or they people use the word impeachment, impeachment too. Yeah. There's a lot of people on Twitter who don't really know the definitions of words because, yeah. unfortunately, they haven't found Google also on the internet. But yes, yeah, so there's but a lot Google of people talking them. about that. <laughs> Google has so, found them. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we've spent all of our time talking Utah legislature. We don't get even talk hey, about any you know national what? It's issues. seven weeks. I mean, it's it's the time. I know. I want to ask so. about vaccinations real quick though before we go. Uh, we're getting to the point where we're rolling out a lot more vaccines. They're going quickly. Spencer Cox, though, is saying that the next round we're going to go on the honor system. Is that going to work? Are the humans of Utah going to use that appropriately? Or are we all just like not nice people at the heart of it and we care about ourselves the most and we'll just go get in line? Anyone? You know, more people vaccinated, the better. I hope it works. Uh, I, d- I doubt it will. So even if you don't have an underlying I, condition. Yeah, I'm not well. encouraging it. I'm saying, hey, listen, why don't we, by protecting our most vulnerable, we te- protect ourselves, right? And so, and really what, what's unique about COVID is this, this death factor to it. And so those who are more likely to have serious, and I know we can't quite tell, so I hope we keep in mind the greater good. But I will say if... If the result of cheating is that you get vaccinated, we all have to get vaccinated. So that rush to vaccinate, uh, okay. 
it's okay, a, it's, fine. It's a crazy time because you have two narratives going on at the same exact time. You have people arguing, should everyone get a vaccination or who would you pick? Who's more equal than another? And I do think there's a strong argument for those that are most vulnerable. And I think that what's happened with this virus, you can see what age group, what comorbidities, you can see clearly where this virus attacks people the most severely. And those ought to be the people without regard. I mean, they should be the ones that get it as quick as possible. But at the same time, we're arguing about who should get this and who should be in line first. There's another argument saying, I don't want it and I don't want to be forced to take it. And then you hear them say, well, you need to and you have to take it. You can't argue that I'm not getting it in time and or who's getting it first and it's not fair and we have a big long line over here. And then you have people on the other side that say they don't want it. Well, you're going to have to get it. You see how crazy it is? I mean, these are two. You can't do both. You can't force everybody to get it when you can't decide who should get it. So why don't we just do this? It's intuitive. We know with a year, almost a year into this thing, who's most threatened by it. They should absolutely be getting this vaccination. If they want it, they should be getting it. And there's, because there's, a, there's, I think, I don't think we have enough for everybody to be forced to get it, including those that are I don't most think vulnerable. We're forcing anyone to get it. Well, Craig. the fear is, the fear is that you'll need to show that before you can get on a plane or before you can go into a okay, bank. Okay, so you're talking you about this. consequences. So there's people that are worried about, you know, being forced to at some point to have it. We but have a large honestly, portion of the world that already has natural immunity, hopefully too. And yes, they're looking and so to the why SARS would they have to have it? For like so, Twenty years. So, so the so I think everyone needs to chill out. We need to just know that there's a natural line of those that need and should receive this vaccination as soon as possible and without complaint. And because you have that, it leaves space for those that don't want it. You don't have to harass them. You don't have to tell them that they're terrible people because we couldn't get it to them right now if you wanted to. And so I agree with you. Everybody chill like, out about it. Solve problem number one. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. That You said it quicker and better. That's God it. bless America. Yes, and we landed too. Huh? I know. How fun was it to have Mara here today? It was. It was I know. good. <laughs> Two girls and one Greg. Yeah, I know. It's just I, mean, I am getting ganged up on in here, I feel like it. so. Well, so, I think yeah. you both held your own. Thanks for playing today. Happy weekend, and I'm sure we'll have more things to fight about next week. And agree on too, right? That's right. All right. See you next week.